Jose Barreau had a fairly typical Cuban-American immigrant upbringing, and he followed his father's footsteps as a physician. He was impressed by his mom's oncologist, whom he met in his early 20s, and this experience helped him make the decision to specialize in the treatment of cancer. Dr. Barreau co-founded and directed a major cancer institute in Ohio, which emphasized collaboration in clinical practice for the benefit of patients. But he became frustrated by the communications challenges, and he looked far and wide for a solution. But finding none that met his needs, he co-founded Halo Health, which provides a cloud-based solution to unify all communication channels for efficient role-based collaboration. It's designed for clinicians and by clinicians, but it yields a strong technical and financial return on investment. I'm David Williams, host of the Health Biz Podcast and president of Health Business Group, a strategy consulting firm that helps healthcare companies like Halo Health develop robust growth plans. Reach out to me at dwilliams at healthbusinessgroup.com. Jose Barreau from Halo Health, welcome to the Health Biz Podcast. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. So we'll talk uh, soon about the halo that's surrounding you uh, now, but let's uh, let's go back in time uh, a little bit. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your, your background, your, your upbringing. What was your early life like? What, what were your childhood influences, if you can recall them? Yeah, well, um, you know, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Cuban-American, second generation, born in born in the United States, but my parents came from Cuba, uh, you know, in the early 60s. My dad was in medical school and had to leave and finished up um, outside of Cuba. Uh, but really, I grew up in a typical Cuban-American household. If you don't know what that is, it's usually your grandparents living there. A lot of influence in, you know, uh, Cuban culture, Cuban food, Cuban music. And really, you know, um, it was Cuban food, music on the inside. And then when I went outside and played with my American friends, so I quickly became 95% American and still have a little dormant, you know, Cuban genes that can, that can come out and expand if I'm in the right environment. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Well, for better, or for worse, this is not the right environment. So uh, feel free to let loose. <laughs> but nonetheless, I, I may not. Uh, I don't think I have any, any Cuban connections. So uh, except some other podcast guests, actually. So uh, I keep the salsa dancing so about, to minimum. Yeah. Well, listen, we're always looking for a good visual effect, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll plug something in. So uh, the next question was really about, you know, why did you decide to study medicine? And maybe that's already encapsulated in the, uh, in the first answer uh, about your influences. But, you know, why medicine and why a particular specialty that you chose? Well, you know, my, you know, my sister is actually a gynecologist, oncologist, and she had a stethoscope around her neck when she was six years old and walking around the house. Everybody knew she was going to be a doctor. My father... Was a, was a surgeon, solo practice, worked very hard um, and didn't get to spend a lot of time with him because he was working all the time. But he was my main influence in terms of upbringing and kind of work ethic and those types of things. And then, you know, I think oncology really, uh, my grandmother got lymphoma and I remember going to the oncologist with her and saying, wow, this is really interesting stuff. This is really impressive and just kind of really looking up to the oncologist that was treating her. And this was in my early 20s. Uh, so I made the decision yeah. fairly late in life. Um, but really, oncology was just so interesting to me. The science, it was so fast paced, a lot of research. And uh, just it, it just caught my my attention over anything else. It's certainly an area that, you know, is top of mind and so 
you know, often a fatal illness, cancer that people have. But it's also been one where there's been tremendous amount of investment and lots of progress, really, um, in an area where you can look at, you know, the cost of medicine is, is certainly very high, and that can be debatable. But there's, you know, all these different areas that have that have gone on in oncology, probably since you since you actually made that observation that it was an interesting place to get into. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I joined practice straight out of uh, fellowship, you know, I remember talking to our older partners who were in their 60s, they had one or two choices of chemotherapy. It was a very dismal thing to be diagnosed with cancer. Very few people, they didn't have good supportive medication. There was a lot of nausea with treatments and those types of things. And, and really, when I joined practice in the molecular era was already on its way. Uh, there were, you know, antibody therapies developed. Uh, there's a lot better supportive medication uh, for to, to prevent nausea and vomiting and pain, uh, and just a lot of better treatments. Uh, so tremendous progress. A great time to be in oncology. When I started getting into it, a lot of money for research, a lot of new drugs getting approved. So um, it, it definitely has made a tremendous gains just in short years. And so, in the years that you were in practice, I mean, are there any things that you're particularly proud of? I mean, certainly just the the whole practice, I'm sure, would be in that category, but anything that kind of stands out as accomplishments. And then on the other side, any any regrets uh, from practice as you look back on it? Well, you know, I, I practiced for so, you know, I practiced for a couple of years of private practice, but then I got together with a health system to create cancer programs and really a cancer institute. And, you know, that's, I'm very proud of that. We created really a uh, one of the leading cancer institutes in Southern Ohio treats the most patients in Southern Ohio and uh, develop multidisciplinary clinics where patients would come in and see all their oncologists together, surgical oncology, medical oncology, radiation oncology. I created the scientific, scientific review committees, the genetic program, really got it, got it really cooking. And I'm super proud of that. But it, and it led me to you know, where I am today in, in really understanding the benefits of collaboration when you get a care team around a patient and they're making decisions together, the power of that for the patient is immense. And, and it wasn't happening enough. Um, and so, and mobile apps were developing at the same time. Really, the iPhone came out in 2007. You know, we all had Blackberries and, you know, actually Halo Health, you know, created mobile apps for Blackberry at first and then evolved, obviously, to, to iOS and, and those things. Yeah. So, so talking about iOS uh, and talking about Halo Health in, in particular, um, you know, what was the problem you were, you were trying to solve? And I think I'm already getting a, a sense of it from what you were describing in terms of the collaborative practice that you, uh, that you had set up uh, mm -hmm. before. Um, but what was there like a specific thing that you said, this isn't out here in the market and I, I need to start Halo Health in order to go after it? I, I remember very specifically just walking through the halls of the hospital uh, and saying, I can't get in touch with anybody. I'm trying to get in touch with this physician. I can't do it. I don't know who the nurse is taking care of this patient. And just spending a lot of time trying to gather information and communicating with people. And I remember very clearly saying, somebody has to solve this and, you know, we can start solving it right now. And, and that's really the impetus, you know, is just solving our own problems and my personal problems uh, that I saw that just is damaging patient care, you know. Uh, when I saw that, you know, if I talk to all I need to do is talk to a doctor for just a couple of minutes to ask a couple of questions before yeah. I assign this therapy and I couldn't do it. Uh, so the patient had to lay, mm -hmm. wait around or maybe I did it without knowing the full scope of what was going on with the patient. And uh, it was very frustrating. So it's it really, you know, a big problem. 
So a lot of people have seen at least some sort of similar problem. They, they may not have come at it the way you had in terms of really looking at collaboration first and then saying, you know, where are the tools? But if I think about a company like uh, Vocera, which is maybe more has kind of the hardware side or Tiger Text, um, help me understand where Halo Health fits both in terms of kind of the, the time frame of the evolution, uh, okay. because you may have been before some of these, and then how you fit relative to them or maybe others that are that are in the space. Well, uh, for Rosera, you know, it, historically it was a hardware company creating, you know, kind of walkie-talkie badges and those types of things, and it was very nursing focused. So it's yeah. been around, you know, for a long time, and it really did other things in healthcare too. They do it for nuclear plants and that kind of thing. And companies like Tiger, they really didn't start with healthcare. They started kind of with yeah. uh, vanishing messages and those types of things, and kind of got into healthcare sideways. For us, we took a holistic approach from the beginning. We said, you know, communication has to be system wide, has to be all the users. It can't just be nurses, can't just be doctors, can't just be sprinkled around. It has to be a mission critical mm -hmm. platform that everybody has to be on. Uh, and so we quickly found out that, you know, it's healthcare is very different in communication and roles because it's it's not individuals. A lot of times you're communicating with roles. You don't know who that person is. Yeah. I know that I need the cardiologist on call. I know I need the nurse on the charge floor or the ICU, I don't know who the name is. So a system like this has to really understand who's behind the roles. And that's the magic. We started thinking about how to manage these roles and, and get information to the right people at the right time. And so how did you develop it into a company? Like you knew that you wanted to do a company as opposed to, you know, ask somebody else to solve this problem, go to an existing vendor. And did you have that? And maybe, maybe this is the 5% uh, Cuban American, uh, you know, entrepreneur that you're going to go ahead and just jump on it, <laughs> regardless of whether you had the business training or not. But how, like, how did it actually become a company? Well, I did look around for a solution and I couldn't find it. So I, you know, I talked to the administration. I was close with the administration. We, you know, we created this merger with cancer and all that. And I said, you know, I'd like to create this and I'd like to develop a company on it. And they allowed me to do that, to innovate and kind of keep the IP and, and create kind of a research center for communication and collaboration and, and wrap it around with software. And so that's how, how it started. And then in 2015, we just got tremendous traction uh, and I had to make a decision, you know, um, am I going to give this to somebody else to run or am I passionate about this problem and solving it, you know? And so I decided I'm passionate about this problem. I'm going to go for it. And it was a very difficult decision. Obviously, I was director of the Cancer Institute and uh, and had clinical patients I had to walk away from. It was very hard. Uh, but that's the decision I made in 2015 to run with it and, and, and solve the problem. And that's really when it became so a company. Yeah. And did you have co-founders as, as well? Or are you the principal one driving it forward? I'm the, I was the principal in driving it forward, but I do have a co-founder, Amit Gupta, who's also a medical oncologist, who we became very close friends in fellowship at University of Cincinnati. And we really thought through this idea together and worked very hand in hand and kind of developing it over time. He still practices medicine. I took the business route, uh, and but he's on the board now and, and gives a lot of good input. Great. And so what is it that you're actually offering and how has that evolved uh, since 2015? And I just threw out a couple of, you know, example companies that I think about kind of in communication, but how, how have you evolved and how do you fit in with the rest of the ecosystem these days? Well, I mean, the, the best way to describe it is there's a clinical information layer across health systems, right? And which were really consolidated by the EHR. You know, you're talking about documentation, revenue cycle management, all these types of things, mostly on-premise systems. 
And then there's this clinical communication and collaboration layer that sits above it that's very fragmented. You could consider maybe Vocera has some badges in there. Tiger Text may have some, some apps somewhere in there. There's some scheduling stuff. There's pagers still there in a lot of places. So what we're yeah. doing is we're taking this clinical communication collaboration layer and consolidating it on one cloud-based platform. And so we take this and we consolidate on one platform, all users on mobile apps or desktop apps, right? And then all the messaging, the calling, the real-time information integration with the electronic health record to pull out real-time information. So only what yeah. you need to make a decision and actionable. Everything else can live in the EHR or whatever system of record. But this is the real-time flow and communication of information across the health system. And the magic also is it's not just the system, it's the community. When you have cloud modern architecture mm -hmm. technology, it flows into the community. And as hospitals are expanding, it makes it easy for them to, we call it, expand your halo to other organizations, affiliated physicians, those types of things. So it creates a network effect right, of this infrastructure. I think one of the complaints that physicians specifically have about electronic medical records and, and some other sort of systems that are imposed on them, and it's sort of like what an administrator thinks a doctor should be doing or should know about and, you know, what a nurse should, should have. And I, I do note that, uh, you know, both you and your co-founder as clinicians are really coming at it from the patient care and clinician standpoint about like a specific problem that you actually have, not a problem someone told you you have or that they'd like, you, they'd like to have oversight yes. On. Mm -hmm. and, and clearly others too, including the other companies that I mentioned, have incorporated that. But I, I think there is something about kind of the DNA of a company that's really a doctor who had a problem and they're going to resolve it from their standpoint as a way to, you know, to aid the patient. I think that's very true. You know, we, we call ourselves, we have clinical DNA. We say that a lot. So, you know, we, we, we created, you know, we solved the problem for doctors and nurses and thought about it very clinically and are backing into the excitement to the CFO and to the, the CEO and the ROI that they get. It wasn't our primary driver. Our primary driver was improve patient care and make doctors and nurses lives better. But we know to sell this thing to the health systems, it's got to have a financial, you know, technical return on investment for the CIOs and the CFOs that are making decisions. So we back into that by, by doing this, then we're showing that versus a lot of healthcare that don't have clinical DNA and may try to solve the financial ROI problem first and then worry about the clinicians later. And I think that may create poor user experiences and some of the burnout and things we're experiencing now. Yeah. So now as you back into that, then what does it look like? So how, how do you sell it to that CFO or CIO whose budget it may very well be coming from? So, you know, fortunately, you know, over the past six years, we've been able to put some fairly large health systems on our, our platform. And what you find is, number one, is we have two types of return on investment. There's a technical return on investment where you have the latest cloud technology always updated in real time, and you can get rid of some of that uh, older infrastructures of pagers, scheduling systems, things like that, that are there. So there's an ROI around consolidating around FTEs to manage all these dis disparate type of technologies, security, right? We handle all that, uh, upgrading it and everything. And then the clinical ROI on it, when you talk about length of stay, when you talk about increasing referrals, increasing alignment between physicians, letting, you know, there's many health systems that the physicians that are employed don't even know what services they offer. They don't know what's, what physicians are associated with their hospital system. So when you put someone on a real-time platform and create those connections, 
you know, it really increases that alignment and increases kind of the visibility of the services the health system provides into the community also. So there's an ROI around that. Uh, and there's an ROI around stroke, right? We'd have a lot of critical teams, you know, door to needle times, door to balloon times, all these types of things. So uh, there's a whole variety of, of clinical return on investment and technical that we can actually prove and show to the CFOs, uh, the CIOs and uh, the CEOs. So I don't, I don't want to read too much into this and I'll put, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if I think about, you know, what you mentioned about the community that you're, you're building and also the fact that this is a role-based system and also just thinking about the physicians, including like, you know, how committed your father was and how, you know, physician is a different thing than just a job. And you are making life and death decisions and you have to rely on somebody that you might not know. Now, you know, the role and you know that like this person is an anesthesiologist or emergency room doctor, whatever it may be, you know, they have to have been selected competently. You have to have trust in their training and what they're looking out for. And then if you actually kind of connect over this way, it's not like you're necessarily going to get in together in person and you went to school with them or whatever. You actually have to kind of have that trust and have the community that is then supported with the, the technology. Um, so it's a different than like a Facebook or something like that, because it's not, it's, it's kind of based, <clears throat> based on these roles, but you're creating this community and then presumably you can, you can get that kind of outcomes for yeah. your patient that you're, that you're looking for. And then that has a reinforcement, but help me say yeah, that it, better. Cause that's just me as the. Yeah. Well, it's certainly true that you can communicate and, and interact with roles, but you always know who's behind the role once you initiated communication. So, so our system yeah. allows you to know who you're, who you're communicating with, who you're sharing information with all the time. Uh, so initially you may not know who's in that role, but once you're interacting, you find out who's in that role and our system lets you know. Uh, so it's not you know, blind like that. And, and kind of historically physicians want to send patients and want to work with physicians who are the best or who they know are going to take really good care of their patients. Uh, yeah. And so this type of a network allows you to kind of evaluate who you want to work with better. Who's responsive to you? What kind of answers are you getting? The communication flows. One thing that happened with electronic health records, I, and I implemented electronic health records in my system, Epic, for it, which is great, but it keeps everybody in the computer and copy and pasting notes and nobody interacts and collaborates around patients. It's just, they're just sharing yeah. notes back and forth. And it's very, so that really did not improve communication collaboration, improved documentation, revenue cycle management, some aspects of patient care, but this did not benefit. So you really need that touch, you know, to get in touch with people and that interaction to evaluate people. Otherwise you're evaluating from three lines in a note and you can't tell how good people are for that, how responsive and yeah. how their decision-making is, you know? So where do we go from here? You're still a, a young company. Uh, we've obviously been through a pandemic and still going through it to some extent mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. now. But what is what does the next few years look like for Halo Health? Yeah, I mean, we've been very fortunate. You know, we, we started the company and funded it ourselves. But in 2017, we brought a great partner in Bain Capital uh, Ventures in, uh, who's just been fantastic and kind of helping us think through where to go and, and been really supportive and really allowing us to build our vision. So our vision really is to create really the biggest network, you know, amongst hospitals, get hospitals on Halo and have them share and expand their Halos to the community and make the real-time sharing of essential real-time information really easy, get doctors and nurses to have what they need in the palm of their hands when they need it, 
right? And use the EHR and use the other systems to get that information there. So, so it's just really exciting. Really, we want to be that digital foundation. You can plug Alexa in. You can plug other things, right? Internet of things inside of our architecture to get it to the right person at the right time. So as, as health systems expand their digital footprint, we want to be there expanding with them and be kind of that foundation for real-time communication. Now, I guess Amazon was paying attention because they have this halo ban now. So did you, did you feel like they're like stealing your thunder with that halo? Actually, uh, we're very close to Amazon. We did an AWS Life Sciences uh, webinar with them, and we knew this was coming before it. And we didn't really see any problem with it because they're very consumer focused and we're not at all. Uh, So you can't just download our app from the store. Uh, You can, but you can't do anything with it. You really need to be provisioned through a health system. So there really was not any confusion about that. Now, we'll see down the road, you know, what happens. But we have a very collaborative relationship with them. And uh so we really have no problem. That sounds good. So last question, that something I ask all of my, my guests is about uh, reading. Any time for reading and any books that you would recommend or recommend that we stay away from? <laughs> well, you know, I do read quite a bit and I don't necessarily read business books uh, all the time. Yeah. You know, I, a business book I read recently was Ray Dalio's Principles, which I liked a lot. Uh, it's very black and white and it's, you know, it's just fun to watch somebody who's been very successful and the principles they use to build a business and some in life. So I, I recommend that book. It has a lot of things about machine thinking, which is helpful and simplifying mm-hmm. things. You know, and on the other side, just re- Walter Isaacson wrote a book on Benjamin Franklin. It's not new, but I recently read that, you know, bring back the Cuban American. But, you know, that this guy was an amazing person. And it brings you back to some of those founding principles on how innovative they were and how incredible uh, someone like Benjamin Franklin was at that time. You know, so both of those books, very different, but I thought both were uh, very good. No, it, sound, it sounds great. We've had Isaacson recommended before as an author, but not that particular uh, book. And the, the Dahlia book is is a, is a new one here. Uh, most people have the same thing. They entrepreneurs usually recommend the hard thing about hard things. I think most of most of the uh, like half the people on that. the podcast have recommended that. Love that. Yeah, book. I figured. I, yeah, that's a great I read book it too. But it's okay. Read yeah, that long time. I don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Leonardo da Vinci autobiography. So that's another good one that's coming I heard, out, that came out. I heard about that one, and I'd like to read uh, mm-hmm. that one. Da Vinci is absolutely fascinating. It certainly rivals Franklin, if not uh, not exceeds him. It's amazing what people mm-hmm. you know in that era could do. If you think especially like in your, your field, you think about kind of the level of subspecialization that people do, and then you look back to a Franklin or a Da Vinci, you know, it's just a different world. Um, I don't it know what they would be doing, world. you know, if they were, if they were here, <laughs> if they were here today. Right. In any case... <laughs> In any case, uh, Dr. Jose Barreau, co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Halo Health. It's been a pleasure having you on the Health Biz Podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.